Welcome, dear listeners, to another episode of A Therapist, A Buddhist in You, brought to you by the Recovery Collective and the Annapolis Mail. This is where we explore the depths of human experience through the lens of holistic well-being. We are your hosts, Luke and Zoll, and today we bring you the topic that might be considered unconventional, but holds profound wisdom, the mindfulness of death. In a world bustling with the noise of daily life, contemplating our mortality often takes a backseat. However, as we unravel the layers of this often overlooked aspect, we discover that mindfulness of death isn't a morbid exploration, but a tool that can enrich our lives in unexpected ways. Why is today's episode an important lesson? The mindfulness of death isn't about dwelling on fear. It's an invitation to embrace the fullness of life. In this episode, we'll explore how this ancient practice viewed through the lenses of both therapy and Theravada Buddhism, can offer a profound insights into the fragility of life and guide us towards living with intention and purpose. So before we dive in, remember to hit that like button, subscribe, and share this podcast with others who might find value in these conversations. Our community is growing, and your support helps us continue to bring you meaningful content. Now let's unravel this the mysteries of mindfulness of death together. Hey, Zoll. Hey, Luke. How's it going? Doing good. Doing good. And second episode of the new year of 2024. And this is a topic that you approached us with. So I'd love to kind of hear what spurred this. Why, why did you feel this would be a, a good topic for us this evening? The mindfulness of death. Yeah, quite a heavy topic. Thanks for agreeing to do it. Uh, but I do pay attention to a lot of things that are happening in my life to bring a topic. And this has been coming up, uh, especially if you are around recovery community. They say the longer you stay sober, the more funeral you end up going to. So that topic of death has been coming up. I lost a friend uh, back in Burma on uh, Christmas Day of 2022 so it was his anniversary and then i found out about another friend's death uh one day after christmas of 2023 so um yeah that's why i came up with this topic but i think it will be therapeutic and also but the title itself it's kind of shocking you know so i think it requires some disclaimer in terms of like that this is not you know, because it can probably have some negative connotation, uh, mindfulness of death. But I think more gentle way will be mindfulness of impermanence or mindfulness of the uncertainty of life, something like that. Uh, but because if it's like in a technical sense, mind, to practice mindfulness of death, you know, it does require training, experience, you know, uh, you know uh, guidance <clears throat> from a monk or somebody who's well qualified for that so but i just wanted to mention that we'll be approaching it <clears throat> from a layman point of view um, to appreciate life so that's my idea mm. yeah thanks for sharing that this is certainly a time of year and a season yes we've gotten through a lot of us you know major american holidays but it's often a good time and we've had two recent episodes with looking at the press the past and and the previous week the present and the future and but yeah i mean really looking at the fragility of life can really bring valuable insights you know it's 
potentially leading to more looking or highlighting the importance of intention and purpose and things like that. So yeah, we'll, we'll see where we go with this topic, huh? Yeah. And to provide a little bit of background, the traditional, in a traditional sense, uh, this comes from in a Theravada meditation uh, practice, there are 40 meditation objects and one of them is death. And also traditionally there are four protective meditations. Um, one of them is mindfulness of death. Uh, the other ones are mindfulness of the qualities of the Buddha, mindfulness of loving kindness, and mindfulness of the uh, 32 parts of the body or the um, the repulsive nature of the body. So these are supposed to keep us protected. So that's the tradition. Uh, mindfulness of death is actually can create protection around us, according to the tradition. So I think you're explaining how it, it, it aligns with, would you say, some of the Buddhist spiritual teachings? Is contemplating death a core practice in Buddhism? Uh, it is part of the first foundation of mindfulness, which is the mindfulness of the body. <clears throat> and then there's a section about the 32 parts of the body, and then the mindfulness of death is part of that too. But I think it would be helpful mm -hmm. to kind of unpack because this will also help us understand what mindfulness actually means in a buddhist sense you know because it's not like thinking about death all day you know oh yeah i'm gonna die i'm gonna die but it's more about uh mindfulness as in uh, bringing attention to the mind about the fact that death is certainly gonna happen and that death is part of life and also when it's gonna happen why it's going to happen and where it's going to happen is uncertain. It can happen anytime. Uh, so th those are the factors of bringing mindfulness in terms of to create urgency uh, in terms of focusing on the action, wholesome, and uh, to do wholesome deeds and also avoid unwholesome deeds um, to kind of motivate the practitioner. So that really is the, um, the purpose behind this practice. Mm -hmm. I never thought I could listen to you talk about death all day. Tell us more. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, without getting, I mean, I would like to start with uh, on a personal note because, um, I mean, some of the people that I've lost, they, they do have children, you know. <laughs> and uh, so it, it gets me emotional, but emotional in a way of like gratitude and also appreciation that. I just, it just makes me live present. And it, it makes me live in the present today, you know, because it can just go away. I can just go away or they can just go away at any point. So I think that really is the essence and the beauty of, um, because, you know, we're in a way protected, uh, away from death as if it will never happen. Uh, but not to sound negative, but like it definitely is going to happen, but it can has, it can have positive impact on how I look at today, you know, that, yeah, I, I can, you know, die at any point, which even makes the time that I do have with my children a lot more precious, you know, today. Yeah, I think you're right now sharing what our topic is, mindfulness of death. You're being mindful of, of, of hearing about someone, whether it's in your immediate or your intermediate core of, of your life and when how do we not look at in some ways if we're mindful 
man, this individual had children. I have children. We begin to look at the fragility of our own life. And I think when I think of mindfulness of death in a therapeutic context, now you as a life and recovery coach and me as a therapist, I think that's one thing that I try to help people do if this is where they're at in their life, if there's a death in their life and they bring it to to me in, in session, it's how do I help them to be mindful of loss, of grief, you know, exploring death and one's own thoughts and feelings about mortality for themselves or people they know. And I think this can be advantageous just to be very mindful and aware of it because in some way, and I, and I say this almost every time, not so much for the other people I work with, but for me, as I'm being mindful of death and someone else is processing theirs, that I can't not think about one of my perspectives of of death. It's sometimes I feel so real, so surreal with it. Yet it's the most real thing that there is. <laughs> There's very few guarantees out there, and death is a guarantee. <laughs> and being mindful and present with that for me whether it's me as a therapist helping someone else or being me being mindful of, of death in my life, whether it's my inevitable passing or, or people in my life that it feels so surreal mm. when, when my, my human body <laughs> is ex- trying to make sense of it. And I think it's a, for me, a spiritual thing when I'm, when I'm experiencing a loss, loss or grief and, I think it feels so surreal to me because my human body is trying to understand something that might be spiritual, you know. But yeah, as my therapist said, is being helping others to be mindful of loss and grief is, is I think, advantageous. It's embracing the reality of our impermanence or other people's impermanence. It can lead to a greater appreciation for our life for the people that have passed. Yeah, <clears throat> that's true. And another uh, aspect is also <clears throat> to live more purposefully and also intentionally. Uh, that's another personal note for me is that this individual who passed away on the day after Christmas, uh, I was at the meeting <laughs> uh, to find out about that. But also it's the same meeting where I met him last time where he told me that he's been struggling he's still not drinking but struggling so for me like who would have thought that that was my last interaction with him you know so it really makes me appreciate or at least like we never know you know so it makes the relationship and the interactions that we do have with people a lot more meaningful and intentional you know what if this is the last interaction that i will have we never know so i'm gonna make the best out of it you know Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting there's a part of me that is trying to be mindful of your experience with with the loss in your life and how I, as a, a friend, a, a co-host, a, a, you know, a person that's on this life with you, and and uh, it, I think of I'm sorry for your loss, and I don't know if that's an American saying, but I think American culture in general sucks at grief and loss and and the mindfulness of um death and impermanence in general but 
how does the Buddhist culture really embrace death and loss? Yeah, that's uh, it's it's interesting, and it's good that you're pointing that out because uh, in the Buddhist cosmology or in our belief system, there is this thing called samsara, which is the opposite or the cycle of suffering that we're in, which is you know not nirvana, you know. So in that sense, I mean, it's cyclical, like unending, which also means that we go through different lives. So in a way, it's not really of a, it's like a passing from one life to the next. It's not like the end in our culture. So I think some people even say it to the extent of that there hasn't been anybody we've never been. We've always been a father, a sister. We have gone through endless, infinite lifetime of different lives, you know. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it is, it is a loss, but also like moving on in our, in the Buddhist belief system because there's a cyclical nature of life and death. It's not the end. What about Buddha? <laughs> oh, he's gone. <laughs> he's never coming back. <laughs> when's, yeah. when's, then the next Buddha will be the Buddha of love. Yeah. Love. Good. Maitreya. Maitreya. Sorry, still a little bit tangent there. Yeah, but I think we can talk about that, um, like the, the other aspect, because <clears throat> there are some facts, as I mentioned earlier, that we have to be mindful of when it comes to death. And specifically is that, uh, you know, the certainty of death that is definitely going to happen is part of life. That's one fact. And the other fact is that the cause of death is uncertain. It can be anywhere, it can be for any reason, and it can be any time. That's the second fact. And then the, the third fact is that we have to leave everything behind. Possessions, loved one, relationship. When the death arrives, everything's left behind. So those are the four facts, but also uh, three facts. And then the fourth fact is actually the actual practice of living a life, you know, mindful or right living, is that the only thing that we're going to bring with is our action because in buddhist philosophy it's the chain of action and reaction that keeps us going so so it really emphasized on the need for the you know some people have said that you know there are some people who have lived a really good life and they're okay dying today you know because they've taken uh wholesome actions for their life and they're very proud of it you know so it, it creates that urgency that oh have i done things that I'm supposed to do, you know? So it creates that urgency to aspire to that. Yeah, I think those four things that you just shared with us can, if I put them on two polar opposites, for some it can give them peace, calmness, and acceptance. But maybe for some, if not a lot of our listeners, or just people in general, that can give people a lot of anxiety, right? Those... Um, I don't think anything you said in a general way people would disagree with their statements that seem, you know, relatively for sure and factual. But what would you tell the people, you as a life coach, you help people with all forms of life events, death being one of them. What would you tell to uh, the listener or a client of yours that, especially those first three examples you gave that, that give them 
existential anxiety or fear? What would you, how would you help them with that? Yeah, I don't really share this practice uh, that much or at all <laughs> in this culture. Um, only if it's appropriate, you know. But I think, uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, <clears throat> the uh, mindfulness of <clears throat> impermanence is a lot more prevalent and more approachable. That okay, whatever you're feeling right now is going to pass. You know, things are all impermanent. No, so no, that's no, like a milder death. version. Let's talk about death. Zoll. Come on, let's hit it. <laughs> let's hit it. It's true. Everything you're saying is true, but it can give a lot of people anxiety. It can give people fear. And I, and I think when you talked about that fourth one, they can certainly be a motivator. Well, okay, let's find purpose in meeting and let's, you know, therapy. We've talked about, and in, in my therapist said, I've talked about like hierarchy of needs and purpose and meaning is is one of them, right? And whether it's, holy crap, I live my life and, and what's my purpose or midlife crisis or I don't care what you want to call it, but oh my gosh, I've got a finite amount of time on this round round rock and, you know, that can give people anxiety that, that death. So whether it's impermanent or actual death, how do you, how do, you, how do we help them? I'll give the therapist perspective, you give the Buddhist perspective. Yeah, I mean, putting the helpfulness as a priority is important, you know. So that's also another aspect of Buddhism, that there is no promotion or there is no convincing. It's more of a ver verifiable truth. So there is no forcing of making somebody mindful of death, you know. So it's just uh, something that is, if it's fitting, you know. So that, that's my approach to it, that if, some, if it's going to help a client, that's great, but if I get a sense that they're not ready to hear it or there's no benefit in hearing that, uh, we can just leave it that way, you know. Uh, especially, I, we've talked about this too, about like uh, in, in, our, in the Eightfold Path, there's a need for the morality first before approaching anything else. So okay. it's not like if I'm in a very uh, unethical place where I've lied, kill, you know, all these morality that I've broken, if I think about death, that's probably not a good idea. I might want to end my own life, you know, something like that. So it needs to be in a particular state of mind or condition or in a particular support yeah. to talk about it. Yeah, so I think that's one way of saying, okay, if you're not in this mindset or this insight or higher part of self or ready to explore this then let's not trigger this and, and mm -hmm. that's kind of like a a warning for the for the episode um but yeah like like we we talked we just previously talked about that creating meaning in one's life or living the morals that whether it's society more importantly your own morals and values towards life if you're doing so, then facing reality or mortality might be more palatable. <laughs> if you're living the way you want to, then there might be more acceptance when there's a death in your life. This is not a black and white, you know, statement, but there may be more acceptance or, or acceptance of impermanence when 
when you're not lowering your own morals or values. We see that when it comes to addiction and relapse and behaviors that if, if people keep or continue to break their own morals and values towards life, well, I'm not saying that they're, they want to they have suicidal ideation, but that guilt and shame can create a downward dark spiral. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. The, for the people that might be in existential crisis, I'll give you my therapy perspective. I mean, there, there literally is a therapy style for that, and it's called existential therapy. Imagine that. <laughs> there's, there's a therapy style for that. So in the context of the way we're explaining it, the mindfulness of death, it can provide a unique lens for individuals to, in a safe way, explore their concerns and potentially find meaning in the face of mortality. I'll give you some um, philosophies or like perspectives of existential therapy. One, one is allowing yourself to actually explore the concerns. So in existential therapy, it really encourages individuals to explore these concerns, whether it's fear of death, whether it's freedom, or lack thereof, isolation, and here's a big one for people, meaninglessness. Oh, right? When people feel hopeless or isolated or just no sense of purpose and, and feeling, well, what's, you know, nihilistic or meaninglessness, by doing so through a safe environment, through therapy or Theravada Buddhist life coaching that you do, you can gain insight into their own values and their priorities by creating a safe place to explore these things. And it might not do a dark downward spiral down. It might actually do the opposite. <laughs> it can be a safe place to explore this hierarchy of needs. You know, where is the value in creating meaning in one's life? Like you said at the beginning, you know, the the loss of people in our lives can make us see not just the fragility, but see kind of spark something in us to go, man, I can't take this for granted. Um, that's a big one. So yeah, existential therapy, those are just two tidbits of it that, and can really connect and ground grounding. Let's talk about grounding. It's, it's nuanced when it comes to existential therapy, but in the context of that, we're associating helping individuals connect with their present experiences and foster self-awareness and engage with their lived reality. I like to call it the great reality <laughs> that when we can tap into not just the fear of things, but really fostering the growth and, and the actual beautiful self-awareness reality can, it can lead to more meaning and purpose and growth. So existential anxiety and fear of death can can be at minimal anxiety provoking, but there's therapeutic techniques to help people when they're going through this level of fear. And the word that popped in my mind is self-burden and doubt. What do you think, Zoll? Hmm. Yeah, those are all uh, very relevant. And uh, it just makes me think about 
the uh, kind of like extracting the essence out of all the practices is, you know, maybe too much of a simplification, but like not to dilute the truth, to live out of, to live away from delusion, to see the truth. So like death is the truth, you know, yeah. but, uh, but at the same time, uh, kind of navigating with the idea of paying attention, you know, my approach to life and also with uh, people that I work with is also that if it's like, it's, if the life is not difficult, I don't need to make it difficult. You know, there's no need, but more about paying attention to what shows up. So if death is not showing up, I don't need to like go look for it, you know, to create anxiety. But the way I look at it as this topic came up is that death has been coming up. So there is a reason for me, from my personal higher power point of view, that there's a message, you know. So it's also, yeah, being mindful of what is showing up and then making a practice out of it instead of, hmm. well, I'm living a very happy life, but let me just think about death to make it difficult. Hmm. You know, <laughs> this mm-hmm. is not like that but to see truth as it shows up. Hmm. Yeah, it's good. You gave us those those four things in the beginning. Can you give us another perspective, whether it's anything in terms of Theravada Buddhism, that whether it acknowledges or reinforces the things that you're sharing with us today? Yeah, so there's also, I think it's more related to the 32 parts of the body. I think the term is um, atuba, uh, which means corpse. So mindfulness is of corpse is also related to mindfulness of death. So the practice itself is to visualize the death of my body mm. and then visualizing the lifeless body. Mm. And uh, that's part of the practice. So then you can even time speed it to like degeneration of the body, like being eaten by worms. Like it's very vivid and visual but at the same time it's supposed to for me like when i do that it really creates the appreciation of the spirit because if i think about myself a life and then that visualization of the dead body that that's my destiny one day but also it really pronounced the essence of the spirit that oh there is some kind of spirit happening so, uh, it's more about the appreciation of life that way too so that's also another uh, practice in the tradition to visualize the death and then even to the point of like turning into a dust you know uh yeah. much later it's, it's funny as as an american internally i might i think we're doing video for this one like i might poker face when you're talking right <laughs> but the, internally i might going Oh God, where is he going with this morbid, right? This morbid talk about his rotting flesh, right? But as you share the culture and the Buddhist spiritual belief behind this reality and this impermanence of living and and, and death, wow, it's actually beautiful, you know. And it's just so neat how um, different cultures and spiritual beliefs can can have beautiful and mindful and different values of understanding and accepting and being with death and grief and loss and the mindfulness that comes with it so that's a didn't know where you're going with it at first but and uh i'm glad you shared it mm. yeah. yeah i don't think people talk about it explicitly but 
I think there is an underlying essence of that mindfulness of death in any kind of, you know, ethical living or just uh, philosophy in general. It's pretty much about the fact that, um, yeah, I, I don't know, like the 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 essence of just being present. You know, like death is definitely there. So, um, yeah, so me, I, also another personal thing is that uh, I've always been afraid of the death of my parents. Like that, that's one of the biggest fear. But then it's still true that they're gonna die one day. But like how I think about it, it's so different now. You know, so it's not that it will never happen. It will happen, and I will feel the feelings, and it won't be pleasant. But at the same time, I'm at a place where I accept it. You know, so for me, that's like the growth from from the place of fear that I don't want to think about it at all to like, oh, I can think about it and that will happen one day and I can deal with the feelings when that come. You know? Yeah, there's many times that I've worked with people and they've had this mindfulness of death and their family members, they're often their parents or their siblings. And it often leads to this fear of unfinished or un or relationships that are mended or worried that they they don't have better relationships with their siblings or parents and and often in our sessions the mindfulness of death leads to a mindfulness of living <laughs> and as you shared in the beginning maybe a kickstart to to make some changes in their life so that way it doesn't lead to maybe unnecessary suffering for the time left that they have with their loved ones. And sometimes the, it might be the fear of death or just the mindfulness that comes with inevitable death leads to changes in people's lives. And that's pretty, pretty, pretty beautiful. Yeah. What a topic. <laughs> what a topic. Yeah. Maybe we can uh, explore more um into the other aspect of it you know without <laughs> being too explicit but this is very very <laughs> explicit yeah yeah this is good maybe we'll put some uh i might put a a warning <laughs> on, the, on the episode notes it wasn't too bad it wasn't too bad um yeah thanks for bringing up this topic and we'll explore some other aspects of it i'm sure in the future yeah. Great. As we draw the curtain on today's exploration, we extend our deepest gratitude for joining us on this introspective journey. The mindfulness of death, viewed through the lens of this therapist and that Theravada Buddhist life and recovery coach, isn't about dwelling on endings. It's a powerful reminder to cherish each moment and live authentically. We hope the insights shared today resonate with you, sparking contemplation and inspiring intentional living. If you found value in our conversation, don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe for more enlightening discussions, and share this wisdom with your community. Remember, growth is a collective journey, and we're grateful to have you as part of our collective community. Until next time, embrace the present, nurture your well-being, and may each day be a step towards a more mindful and purposeful existence. Stay well and stay mindful. My name is Luke. This is all. See you next time. Thanks.